0: Your Saskatchewan, off the post, of it. the in. champions again! This is Jeff Shadler. You're listening to the Rush Hour podcast. This is the Rush Hour podcast, presented by Original 16, the best beer in the game. I'm your host, Cody Jeans, and on this episode, we're going to get you set for the Saskatchewan Rush and the San Diego Seals this week. On the pod, we're going to hear from rookie defenseman Connor McClelland and former rush forward Zach Greer. But first, let's recap last week's loss in Panther City quickly here. 17-16 in overtime, Saskatchewan Falls. They did outshoot Panther City, 54-41. couple of notable performances to talk about. Mark Matthews, Dan Lintner both had hat-tricks, Robert Church Arguably the rush's best player this season. Two goals, five assists for him. Mike Messenger, pair of goals, 15 loose balls. Holden Garland, now the young guys really stood out to me. I thought there was a few notable performances, and a lot of it was coming from the young talent on this rush roster. So Holden Garland had three assists. Marshall Palace had three assists. Connor McClelland on the back, and you'll hear from him in a bit. Two cons turnovers. And Bobby the 3rd a goal assist and two points for him on the night. It's a tough match. Panther City, everyone knows how hard they work and where it really came down to the domination was the loose ball battle. Jeremy Thompson had 16 for them. Liam Burns had 12 loose balls. Chad Cummings had 8. Patrick Foley had 6. They dominated when it came to finding the loose balls and getting those extra possessions. Plus Nick David. I mean, he outplayed the rush goaltenders there. He made 38 stops on 54 shots and in Panther City. They pull off an upset at home in front of a very questionable 4,741 fans, as reported. But that's that. It's in the rearview mirror now. Let's get to the fun stuff. A couple of great interviews this week. So sit back and enjoy. It's the Rush Hour Podcast presented by Original 16. Cody Jansen with you, joined now by a 2020 first round pick, 12th overall, Connor McClellan, defender for the Saskatchewan Rush. Connor, what's going on, buddy? How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I, I mean, we're going down to California this weekend. The weather's nice there, and it's minus 20 out in Alberta where I am, so I don't mind getting a little extra sun here. Yeah, I bet. Okay, okay, we got to ask about the weekend. You guys go down to Fort Worth. It's a tough overtime loss, but th- does this kind of feel like one that got away from you?
1: Um, a little bit, especially after our first game against them where we we handled them pretty well um i guess that could have been something that factored into this game we might have come into the game thinking that that's going to happen again but in the nll you can't be expecting that and like just overall it wasn't a good game from us and it seemed like we lacked energy most of the most of the game until like the final two minutes where we tied it and sent it to overtime but you're not going to win very many games if, if that's the case
0: Take us on to the floor here, Connor. It, what challenges does Panther City pose when defending? I mean, they've got a young team. They're pretty fast out there. But walk me through what you guys see on the defensive side.
1: So they're, yeah, like like you said, they're very young. And when you have a young team, everybody's out there trying to prove themselves. And they never stop working. They're, like I give them full credit for how hard they work always trying to push the pace and it's it's difficult to defend when they're just moving around all the time out there you're trying to keep track of where guys are and communicate to your d partners
0: do you think there's over a thousand fans in the building
1: uh probably pretty close (laughs) i would say pretty that was definitely weird because in saskatchewan we get a great fan we have a great fan base and we're always playing in front of a pretty packed house so that was strange but that's no excuse
0: No, no, I'm just, we got to take a shot at them. I I mean, it just, it was weird watching it. Like there, you can literally count like 25 people at times in the stands. And yeah, I heard from a few people. It was a little light, little light on the seats.
1: Yeah, it was definitely light on the seats, but you can see the enjoyment that the fans are having that are there, which is, which is good for the game. It's a pretty sweet barn though, eh?
0: Like it's, it's pretty much brand new.
1: Oh, it's so it's so nice.
0: Not a bad setup. The white seats look sharp, but I bet they'd look a little sharper if there was uh, butts in them. Hey, when you're looking at San Diego and preparing for them, obviously it's a much different offense. Like, it's almost two completely different worlds. When you look at Panther City, maybe not the most skilled, but as you said, they worked their ass off. They're buzzing around the floor. And then San Diego, a lot more posed. They got a lot more veteran presence. How does your preparation change for
1: that? You got to know that every shift... You're going to be going against a potential all-star and Hall of Famer potentially. Um, They're they're a great team. They're at the top of the standings for a reason. And you just got to take it one shift at a time every 30 seconds, every five minutes. And set up a game plan where you're going to take away those threats and send them to uncomfortable positions on the floor and not give them the best opportunities to score.
0: Okay, let's hit the rewind button. What's your first memories of playing lacrosse or picking up a stick? How did you get into it? What do you remember from the first time you played?
1: So first time I played, I was really young playing house league. And I remember it was like a league where, I don't know, I don't know how many kids were in it, but there was a bunch of teams where there's like the, like you could be on like the Roughnecks, the Rock, um, obviously Saskatchewan didn't have a team at that time but you can be on, like, the Nighthawks. And I just remember playing at a place called Victoria Park, I believe. Um, and, yeah, that's that's one of the earliest memories, playing house league lacrosse there when I was, like, I don't know, like, three or four years old. And I played in that house league with a bunch of guys that are now in the NLL as well. And I grew up playing with them in Brampton. So it's, it's pretty neat to see the transition from being a three-year-old to going up through the minor system, junior uh, majors, and then playing in the NLL with and against some of those guys.
0: Okay. Just thinking about a three-year-old playing lacrosse is hilarious to begin with. But like, how did you pick up a stick though? Like were your parents into lacrosse? Were they just like, Hey, you know what? This, this person's friend is playing. I mean, I, I just don't get it.
1: So I started when, so like I was kind of like born into lacrosse almost like since the day I was born, I was at the lacrosse rink. Um, my brother was, uh, he's nine years older than me and he was playing for Brampton and I was born June 8th, which is around the time that the, uh, John McCauley tournament goes on in Brampton. And so I was pretty much born brought to the rink and was watching games before I could remember. And so I have always looked up to my brother and wanted to, be like him so that's that's really how i got into us
0: now it makes sense there we go <laughs> did you play any other
1: sports growing up anything else interest you i uh, played hockey my whole life until about grade 12
0: we got to talk about that though because i seen we won't jump too far ahead prep school i just i i looked up your stats beforehand 11 games no points were you using a right-handed stick
1: no i was a lefty i was a lefty
0: well i know but no points in 11 games come on uh-
1: I'm I'm playing D. I was playing defense, and it's yeah. I was I was more of a shutdown D guy than than uh, offensive defense, and like uh, Morgan Riley or somebody like that.
0: So you're more of a Chris Pronger. Okay, we'll give you we'll give you a pass on the lack of points there. Hey, um, I read up somewhere you got three national championships playing for Team Ontario. You guys must have just dummied everyone, eh?
1: Yeah, it was that was those teams were. Unbelievable. We we didn't dummy everybody. Like in the round robin, we did pretty well against most teams, but I remember our midget year. Uh, we went into overtime with um Iroquois and that was that was that was a crazy game. It was a full house at um Iroquois Park and yeah, it was it was insane. We were I don't know, it was a back and forth game the entire time. That was kind of the first like moment for a lot of us where we were going O door and D door. And yeah, it was it was a wild game. You also, you,
0: you also played. A, so, okay, what, what age groups that I guess did you win those three national championships with?
1: I'm trying to think. I'd say like, I I might have been twelve. You no, know, I would. I would be ten, twelve, and fourteen years old, maybe.
0: Yeah. So like Pee Wee Bantam Midget, as it was formerly yeah. known. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Made. Yeah, that makes sense. And then you you played juniors in Brampton. What was that like? You guys had a couple of wagons there. It was
1: awesome. Um, Yeah, playing for Brampton my entire life and then playing junior A for them was really cool. Um, Every year we thought we had a chance of going far in the playoffs and hopefully getting to the Minto Cup. And it fell short for four years. And in the fourth year when we didn't make it and we were hosting it, that was really disappointing. But it... Added fuel to the fire and helped us get to the Minto Cup in our fifth year, which I think was in 2018. And it was it was upsetting to lose, but it was a great experience going to that Minto Cup.
0: We're gonna talk about that, but I gotta ask about playing with Jeff Teat. Obviously, he's a world class player in New York. You're you're close with him. I know that. You know, just just explain to the people how good of a lacrosse player he is.
1: It's yeah, he's if not the best player in the world he's like i i can say that very confidently i've grown up playing with him um you can see it right now he's coming into the nll as a rookie and he's <laughs> he puts up a ton of points every single night i think he what, what is he like leading rookies in points right now And he missed like two games so it's it's pretty impressive and then you look at his first year of majors led the league in points it's his first time playing against like all nll guys pretty much Um, had a ton of goals too. He's, yeah, he's a very special talent in lacrosse and we're lucky to have him as part of the game.
0: The real deal. Riptide fans are lucky to get to watch him. Hey, you got to walk me through the 2018 fiasco at the Minto cup. I want your version of the story. I could give the spark notes, but it wouldn't do it justice.
1: So I guess there was like, I don't know, we're on the floor and there was a confrontation with the ref and apparently Jeff Teat. And I, and I know Jeff wouldn't say anything that would hurt somebody's feelings. Like, he's not that type of guy. He's never done it in his entire career. So I'm not exactly sure. I, I didn't hear exactly what was said or what could have been said. Um, but, yeah, that kind of it – was, it was so weird going through that and, like, showing up to the arena not knowing if you're going to be playing a game tonight because of – Uh, that whole situation that went on and just waiting day by day by day to see if you're going to keep continuing to play for a Minto cup. Um, But yeah, it was, it was definitely really weird just waiting it out. But then once we finally got back on the floor and playing again, it was, it was awesome. It was was nice to be able to play and play against Coquitlam in a great championship. Uh, It was weird having like, I don't know, we didn't have like the same refs anymore but that was kind of nice because there. I don't. I feel like in the last couple games that we played, there were no, like no penalties. It was just until like maybe the final game, there was a couple penalties that were called, and it was just straight up five on five lacrosse, and it made for, for great entertainment and just great lacrosse overall.
0: So long story short, I mean, for those who didn't get the backstory, you guys are playing after game one, there's an incident with uh, Jeff and the refs, and then his dad got involved who was coaching, and the refs pretty much boycotted it, and there there was a whole appeal mess that went along with it. Do do you think that affected your guys' chances to win? Like, not to take anything away from Coquitlam, like, Dal Bianco's an unbelievable goaltender, but... You know, you know the team as well as anyone. You guys had been together for five years. Do you think that took a serious, you know, wrench into your plant?
1: Uh, maybe a little bit at the beginning, but honestly, no, because like we we tried to just forget about it right away. Um, I think we got a message from the GM of Six Nations that year, telling us like to not worry about it. Um, move on and just play your game and play it like it's a regular lacrosse game. So he was. It was nice to have another Ontario club supporting us and telling us, like, just get away from the uh, the extra stuff that was going on. Um, yeah, it, it, I don't think it really took us away from our game plan. We all we we we, re, we reset pretty quickly and tried to get a couple more wins. But like you said, playing against a great defense and uh, Christian Del Bianco. It was it was a tough series overall.
0: Okay, well you're humble. I'll blame it on the refs. Then I'm I'm now a Brampton diehard. You guys would have won if it wasn't for the refs. I'll I'll take the blame here. Hey, you gotta you gotta back me up. Is it not weird that they still play three periods in minor lacrosse and junior lacrosse? Like I I can't stand it. I've voiced my opinion in a, like a million times. Do you think that's weird or do players really not care?
1: Um, it's weird. It the, the toughest part is it's just like the three period. They they feel like they go on forever. It's a lot different than four fifteens, especially when you're getting TV timeouts every five minutes. It it feels like it's the longest period. Like each period feels like it's going on forever and ever and ever.
0: it's just weird in general. Like what happens if like junior hockey would just to play two halves and two 30 minute halves, or soccer just plays one straight ninety minute game? Like no one else in the world does it. So it just yeah. baffles me that lacrosse does it.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think what they were trying to do this past summer is they were talking about i think they did implement i think they did the 415s for like the that little i don't know the tournament that they had for the ontario junior lacrosse league i think they had that going on but like they tried switching it towards more of an nll rules um but yeah it is it is very very weird playing the 320s when everywhere else every other lacrosse league plays 415s pretty much
0: I think you're actually right about that because Alberta did it too for the the one week playoffs tournament, whatever they did. But I think it's just because they were getting sick and tired of me complaining on Twitter. So I'll take credit there. <laughs> hey, another guy you played with—it's another Rush first rounder, Jake Boudreaux, You played with him in juniors. He's uh, ripping it up right now at Robert Morris. You know he's going to be a phenomenal talent. But I want your opinion on what it's—you know—what he brings as a player and what Rush fans can expect to see.
1: Yeah, Jake is. An unbelievable person. Um, great teammate. He'd do just about anything for anybody that's on his team. Um, he's, he can play offense. He can play defense. So he's definitely a good transition guy. And he'll stick up for his teammates, too. He's not afraid to put himself out there. And if something happens to a teammate, he will step in and, and help out. He can literally do anything. He's good on the ball team as well and getting uh, loose balls. So what they can expect is just about everything from Jake Madreau. He's, he's a great player.
0: Swiss army knife right there. Love to hear it. Hey, how do you end up going down to college? Like, I, I guess you did go down and play prep for a bit. Is that kind of the reason where you're like, Hey, if I just go play a year of prep school, I'm going to go to get a scholarship or walk me through that. And then just the whole recruiting process. Why Marquette?
1: So originally, like I was just, I was at school here in Canada um, I went to Mayfield for two years, which is in Calvin, Ontario, and then I went to St. Mike's College School in Toronto. And I kind of did that to have a great, ed- like a great education and fall, like I talked about earlier, fall in the footsteps of my brother because he went to St. Mike's, and then he also went on and played at Colgate University. And I always wanted to do things that my brother did, so one of my big goals was to go to school in the states and play Division One lacrosse. And so I was lucky enough to get um, to have Coach Amplo reach out to me from Marquette University and uh, bring me on a visit to see the campus. And, um, yeah, it was it was a great visit. And it made me feel like they made me feel right like I was at home. Um, And the one like one of the things that really drew me there, obviously, was the family aspect of it and how it was. Just so I don't know, everybody was welcoming. There's support from everybody, but also the location and what it looked like kind of reminded me of Toronto. I'm obviously not right from Toronto, but they had their lakeshore, a city right on the lake, so it was. It all seemed pretty familiar, but it wasn't. And I, I just yeah, I got really lucky getting the opportunity to go play Division One lacrosse there.
0: So were you talking to other schools or was it just a uh, one visit and you're like, I'm sold. This is it.
1: I think that might've been my third visit. And as soon as I was done with that visit, I was like, this is the place I want to be
0: just straight to Milwaukee. You go, what's, what's the recruiting trip like though? Is it like hockey where they're bringing you in? You're getting maybe a couple of practices. You get to watch a game. The boys are taking you to the frat house, showing you a good time. Is that pretty much what it is too for you?
1: It's a little bit different everywhere you go. So, like, my first one, I went to Vermont, and I met with the coaches. Um, I got to go and just, like, spend a day with the players. I think I followed one player around, and he took me to a class. And then, yeah, like, afterwards, you you go out for a little bit and meet more of the guys. Um, Wait, wait, wait. They
0: made you sit through a class on a recruiting trip?
1: Yeah. Okay, they, 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 I see they, why they, you didn't go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but the, they they do it just to give you sort of an experience of what it's like and like what you're gonna what you're gonna get when you go there. Um, and like I stayed in a dorm room there, which was pretty cool because I'd never really stayed in a dorm room other than that last year I was at Trinity Pauling for that prep year. Um, and then at Marquette they had me in a hotel. I got to meet a lot of the players. Um, go around their campus and I think go to um, like a breakfast place called Broyo, which is a staple on Marquette's campus. Everybody loves going there on the weekends. It's got some of the greatest uh, breakfast and lunch food you could ask for. And we would usually get it for pre-games um, on the weekends. So, yeah, I, I, it's all different. Like at Boston University, they took me to a hockey game, which was pretty cool. Uh, I think they were playing North Dakota actually, so it was a it was a huge game between them and, and North Dakota. But yeah, it, it's different everywhere. Everywhere yeah. has their own different experiences that they'll give to their recruits, and just try and one up the next place that might be asking to get you.
0: That's fair. That's it. No, it sounds like an interesting one. And obviously, you know, you're in a good area too, like Milwaukee or a short trip away from Chicago. Uh, I've said it a million times. I think it's the best city in the state, Chicago. There's nothing like it. Hey, let's talk about your draft though, to the NLL. What was draft day like for you? I know it was a little bit of a weird one.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a weird one. I was at school and like my family wasn't there with all the border restrictions and whatnot, but um, a couple of the guys for my like a lot of the guys in my senior class, they all got like a couple balloons, put up like NLL um, like NLL balloons and gold and uh, black and set up a nice watch party for me, which was which is really exciting. Um, it was definitely unique, but it was it was so it was so nice to be able to share that moment with those guys. Um, and you could see how much they cared about it. Um, it, it meant a lot to me that they would do that for myself knowing that obviously we wish we could have been in person doing the draft, but with COVID and those circumstances, it couldn't happen. So they, they made it the best for me. It was, I was very lucky to have them there.
0: What was the conversations like beforehand? Like did DK say, Hey, if you're available at 12, we're taking you a hundred percent. Were there other teams you were thinking about? And, and you know, when Saskatchewan calls your name, I want to, you know, wonder what's going through your head.
1: So, the funny thing is one of the like one of the teams that didn't reach out to me before the draft was Saskatchewan so I wasn't thinking about it at all at first but once I heard that um, once I heard my name called by them I was so excited knowing that I might have the opportunity to play with Kyle rubish that my brother grew up playing with Chris Corbeal that my brother also grew up playing with and um, just just had the opportunity to play for such a a young and storied franchise is, yeah, it was, it was so exciting to hear my name called to potentially play for that team.
0: So you're just saying Sask ghosted you the whole time. And then they're like, Oh, surprise, you're coming home
1: <laughs> pretty much, pretty much.
0: What did you, have you ever been to Saskatoon beforehand, like before the draft or no? No, I had never been. What did never you know been. about Saskatchewan beforehand?
1: Um, I knew that there was a bunch of really tough hockey players that were from around there. I think I watched one of the ESN documentaries about, like, Wendell Clark, Probert, and somebody else. And it was called, like, the toughest softball team ever. So that's that's what I, I kind of knew about And I knew Gordie Howe was from there, and they have that whole park that's there right now.
0: I think that softball one's, like, there's, like, Kelly Chase, Barry, uh, oh, man, Barry Melrose. I, I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, that's that's a great, that's a great really story. Saskatchewan farm guys at the finest. Hey, what was your welcome to the league moment? Like, when were you kind of like, oh damn, this is the National League now?
1: Welcome to the uh, probably like that first game, sitting there waiting in the tunnel, hearing hearing the crowd out there. It's just in uh, Halifax. Um, I've never played in front of a crowd that big before, and just going up, being on the floor, and um, like. I don't know, that's, it was just, like, you're so nervous before the game, and then once you get out there, you're like, okay, here we are, we're, there's no, I don't know, there's just, like, it's it's hard, it's hard to explain, like, what the welcome to the moment, uh, welcome to the league moment is, it's just, once you get out there, you're, you you realize, like, all right, we're going against the best general players in the like like, best lacrosse players in the world right now, as soon as you step out there.
0: You mean Brampton? You weren't playing in front of 3,000 fans a
1: night? No, definitely not in front of 3,000 fans a night.
0: Hey, well, you were clearly super nervous and uh, obviously shaken before the big game because two minutes in, you score your first NLL goal. Walk us through that.
1: Yeah, I was was definitely nervous going into those first couple shifts. Um, Clark Peterson, who was one of my teammates, had the ball, and I just got, I don't know, I just lifted his arm up and the ball popped out and I picked it up went on a breakaway and was able to score which was really nice and to do it that early really takes away a lot of the nerves I think that was the first thing I said to somebody when I got to the bench I said oh I'm so glad that happened that quick because now all the nerves are gone and I just focused for the rest of the game so that was what it was like scoring that early I can imagine
0: that's a, you know, it's not having to wait for 10, 15 games to get the monkey off the back probably helps and not a big deal. I mean, first goal of the season for the rush, first goal post COVID for Saskatchewan, pretty important there. Hey, what's your pregame routine like? Walk me through a day in the life of Connor McClellan getting ready for a game day.
1: Uh, pregame routine, uh, wake up, go to shoot around. Um, I'll usually have a coffee right before shoot around, then I'll, um get on the bus back to wherever we're going if it's a home game usually most of the guys will go to cactus club and get a meal there so, slow it
0: down what are you eating for breakfast we, we got to go through every single step here connor what are you eating for breakfast just a coffee you gotta have food
1: no i if for breakfast i'd have a coffee then i get a little bit of eggs um and sausage i i, I try and keep it light um then go to shoot around and then for lunch i'll go to cactus i'll try and get the any pasta or the cajun chicken caesar salad is a really good pregame meal that i like from there um then i'll go back to the room usually throw on the tv um lay down and try and have a nap for a little bit and then as soon as i wake up from that nap um you hope that when you wake up, it's close to game time. So it sucks waiting around a little bit, but um, yeah, we'll do that. Then start getting ready, putting my suit on, um, get another coffee. When you go down to the lobby, then get on the bus, head to the game and then go through all the three game rituals or superstitions that I usually, that I usually do. And it, it's a lot. I, I have too many three game superstitions that I go through. But, yeah, that's that's pretty much a day. You a can't day
0: tease life. us now. What are some of these superstitions? Give us some of them.
1: They're, like, they're they're pretty crazy. They're, there's, like, one for just about everything I do before a game. I don't know. I put my left shoe on first, then my right shoe. I go um, right um, elbow pads or whatever you call them, then left one. Then I go left. Uh, bicep pad right bicep pad, shoulder pads um then when I'm on the floor I've got like a specific person that I come out right like the lot la- like I'll give Holden Garland the props before we go out and then the person behind them I'm always out after him um I'm behind him for every drill pretty much that we're doing in pre-game warm-ups um during stretches I'll be doing this arm stretch, and I'll point at every single player, and look around at every single player, and then point at the goalies uh, last, and then put my other arm for the stretch. It's hard to explain when you can't see it. It's the other arm stretch that I do, I'll point it to a specific um, piece of glass in the corner, and there, there's there's even more. It's it's a lot. There's tons of stuff I do everyone's
0: gonna be staring at you the next warm-ups after they hear this they're gonna be watching for every single move you're doing hey what's on the playlist before what's in the headphones
1: um i've got i'd say like a lot of acdc um nickelback just like classic pump-up tunes that you hear um from back in the day a little bit nothing nothing crazy um, sometimes there'll be like a little bit of country music in there to calm calm myself down. Um, but yeah, for the most part it's it's mainly ACBC. The veteran
0: move throwing a country song here or there. Hey, who's the team jokester this year? Anyone prank you yet?
1: Um, beers has pranked me a couple times where one, where I left my stick on the bus once and I was we were going out to go to the game to go to, get on one of the buses and we didn't know if we had the same bus or not. So I got out there, and Beard's is like, uh "Oh, like we're not taking the same bus. Like, what are you going to do with your stick?" And I'm freaking out, not knowing where my stick is, because it's my game stick that I always use. Uh, it wasn't just my backup. And luckily enough, the the bus was hidden right behind another bus, and I just I was uh, I was so happy to see that bus there and know my stick was on was on the bus because I was I was freaking out. I, I didn't know what I was going to do.
0: You're about to call up Mark and say, Hey, we got a big emergency here. Got to fix something. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. I, I've, I got one more lacrosse one and then we'll have some fun with some rapid fire to wrap it up here. That first game in Saskatchewan. I mean, the SaskTel center, there's nothing like it in the league. There's nothing better than it in the league. What was it like for you?
1: Oh, it was, it was awesome. Just seeing the amount of support we get from um, all Saskatchewan was tremendous going out of the tunnel um, hearing the fans cheer you on and then when you score a goal, them, them doing the, the chest bump, it's, it's really cool. It's yeah, it's something I've never experienced before and I'm very grateful to experience right now.
0: Just wait till there's 13, 14,000 in there and it's a whole new level for you, Connor. Hey, uh, so let's have some fun here. Some rapid fire to close it out. Connor, uh, McClelland with me. Hey, what would you be doing right now? If you never played sports, what's the
1: job? Um, right now I'd be a financial advisor. Okay. Okay.
0: What's the go-to travel snack?
1: Um, I'd say Pringles. I love Pringles. You always can get them at the airport. What, what flavor? Salt and vinegar or just regular. Disgusting. Dinner. What's dinner if you're cooking? Uh, penne ala vodka.
0: Okay. You got to walk me through. What is this?
1: Penne ala vodka. It's like you have your penne noodles, a rosé sauce, um, like a little bit of vodka in it. Um, usually we'll put bacon and some greens in it as well. It's just, it's a delicious pasta. If you ever have the opportunity to make it or have it, I would get it. It's, it's probably one of my most favorite meals. Um, my girlfriend and I love making it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's my, one of my favorite things to make.
0: I have zero cooking ability, so there's no chance of making this Connor. Hey, what's your go-to pizza order?
1: Uh, I like to keep it uh, plain and simple. I'll just get uh, cheese and pepperoni.
0: What's your favorite movie of all time?
1: Uh, Avengers Endgame. Wow, a
0: Marvel guy.
1: Big Marvel guy.
0: What's uh, What TV show are you watching right now?
1: Um, I just finished season four of Vikings, and now I'm trying to find season five and six, which I'm having troubles with. Okay, so leave so that, leave everyone
0: one well, Yeah, if you're having troubles, I mean, you probably got to le- lay off the illegal streaming here. We shouldn't be talking about that. <laughs> okay leave everyone with one one recommendation netflix or something what what's a good thing you've watched fully that you can recommend
1: fully um it's not netflix but i think it's apple tv i definitely say watch ted lasso i think it's a great tv show that's a great
0: one no one said that yet Uh, i'm happy you brought it up connor this has been a blast man thank you so much and uh best of luck in san diego we'll see you soon
1: thank you very much for having me
0: Thrush Hour podcast, presented by Original Sixteen. Cody Jansen joined now by former Rush forward Zach Greer on the pod. Zach, how you doing? I'm doing very
2: well. I'm doing very well. Thanks
0: for having me. What are you up to nowadays? I, I think you're down in California full time, aren't you? Uh,
2: you know what? I'm actually in uh, in Texas, just outside of Dallas. Um, but we are we are spending almost a month uh, here in San Diego uh, with back to back games coming up uh, this month. So I get to get a little bit of both, best of both worlds
0: well swing and a miss for my second question there i guess i'll just take the dash one early hey i was actually watching sports center on tv and i seen it was coach k's last game and i know you went to duke what was that experience like for you before we dive into all the lacrosse stuff
2: yeah no doubt i mean it's obviously a, a big time program uh obviously a huge basketball school world-class facilities and uh just a great place to go to school i think people don't know how small it is it's, you know right around between five and six thousand undergrad students and so it's not you know your crazy state school with 50 sixty thousand kids so really cool community and uh, obviously a great lacrosse program they continue to do big things there and so yeah ton of ton of fond memories great network and, and some of my best friends to this day uh come from those days so yeah it's, uh, it, it was awesome
0: did you go to a lot of basketball games when you were there
2: it, it not a ton, um, honestly. You know, just with the, there's only 3,000 student seats in, the, in Cameron Indoor. Right, it's a it's a tight building, um, and a lot of kids are are sleeping on concrete overnight or tenting out for weeks to get into some of those games. So we went to about a handful of games each year, and I did go to I think three Carolina games in my four years there. So I got lucky and had some friends with some tickets and, and that sort of thing. But uh, it's not as easy to get in as, as you might think.
0: That's unreal. I had no clue about that. Hey, okay. Now diving into your NLL career, you're out of retirement now back with San Diego, but I want to know, let's go back to the beginning. Who took you under their wing when you broke into the league?
2: Yeah, I had had a couple guys. Um, Sean Pollock is a guy that, uh, that really, you know, kind of taught me how to be a professional in my my first year there and, um, in Minnesota and just, uh, you know, an unbelievable guy, one of the hardest working guys on and off the floor um, so I really looked up to him and then, uh, moved over to, to Edmonton and, and spent some time with Ryan Ward as my kind of roommate and, and travel buddy a little bit there. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, there's been a bunch of guys over the years, Brody Merrill has been a guy that I've looked up through for a long time. Uh, Sean Williams is another guy, just a, a ton of respect for, got the chance to play with a little bit as well. And, um, so there's been a bunch of guys in, in different kind of teams and different scenarios that have been, um, really helpful to kind of helped build me into the player that, uh, you know, this this game has you know been a wild, wild run here, but, uh, but it's been a, been a lot of fun and a lot of good, good
0: people along the way. So four years after you get moved to Edmonton from Minnesota, you end up winning that first championship. What do you remember about Edmonton and the, and the rush back then? And, you know, it, it was really building up to it. That core was together for a few years before you finally get to lift the trophy.
2: Yeah, exactly. We had, um, you know, we had a, a lot of good players and, and, you know, it just couldn't put it together in those first couple of years. And then ultimately we kind of got that core and, and obviously Derek Keenan did a, a phenomenal job bringing in, you know, the right guys and and ultimately kind of building the foundation there uh, around uh, a crew, solid defense, great goaltending. And then uh, we were able to, to, you know, kind of get a rhythm on offense as well. Jeff McComb came in and, and did a good job, um, you know, kind of putting some systems in place for us and, and kind of took it to the next level. But uh yeah, it was uh, the first couple of years were a little bit of a grind, and then um, we lost in that finals to Rochester. Um, but you know, kind of got a taste of it after uh, I think we were six and ten going into the playoffs. Um, kind of got a taste, got hot at the right time, and then uh, started to started to learn how to win there in Edmonton. So um, took a while, but we got there, and, uh, and obviously just an unbelievable feeling. A little bit bittersweet after you know, uh, kind of win a championship and then kind of relocate after, uh, you know, a couple of weeks after we found out the team was moving, but, uh, yeah, obviously they found a great home in fast as well.
0: That's what I wanted to ask. What, what do you remember about finding out the team was moving to Saskatchewan?
2: You know, I, I think we, we didn't have kind of all the information, right. And we heard some rumblings and heard some rumors and, and, um, maybe a little bit surprised after winning the championship, that the team was going to move, but then not, not too surprised because the, you know, the, the, there were some hardcore dedicated fans in Edmonton, no doubt about it. Um, Some passionate lacrosse people there. Um, But ultimately we weren't filling the building. And I think, uh, you know, with Rexall and then the new facility kind of being built downtown in Edmonton, you know, the circumstances weren't ideal for an NLL franchise. And so, um, you know, we, we were probably not in the weeds uh, in the early days. And then uh, obviously when we got to Saskatoon, you know, and just the way that city embraced us and, and obviously to go on and be able to win in that first year, certainly, helped establish the team there. But, um, but yeah, obviously a a move that worked out well for the long run.
0: What's your first SaskTel center experience? What do you remember about that place? Because that, that first year too, fans were just getting accurate. Like, you know, they were just getting used to lacrosse and, and a lot of them were learning the sport. So I want to know from your perspective, what was that first moment in the SaskTel center when you're like, yep, this is going to work.
2: Yeah. You know what? It's kind of funny. I, I, the, how early they get to games was like a big takeaway for me. Like, we'll be out there first Warm up as soon as the doors open at 6 p.m. And there's people walking down the stairs, you know, in their rush jerseys, double fisting, you know, big beers at at six o'clock, an hour, an hour and a half before the game starts. And so you see that kind of, you know, energy and people are obviously fired up to be there and want to take in the whole experience from start to finish with that was a good sign.
0: And talk about 2016. I mean, the championship against Buffalo, what a series highlighted off by you beating Cosmo from the logo. Not a big deal. What do you remember about 2016 and just the, the celebration inside the rank after?
2: Yeah, so I think, you know, defending champs, right, I think there was obviously an expectation. We had a target on our back, and um, you get everybody's best effort every every game, right, and so there's no guarantees in this league, and you still see that to this day. There's, you know, upsets all over the place. Anybody can win on any given night, but uh, the ability for us to, to kind of stay out front of the pack that year and, um, and kind of maintain that leadership position that we had, and um, and ended up, I think, you know, Buff was, was in first, if I recall correctly, but the ability to go into their building and get that first win allowed us to come home and, and win the, the series, um, in Saskatoon, which was obviously, um, you know, made it that much cooler, that much better experience to be able to share with the fans that had, had been so good to us, you know, that first year, um, you know, in the building. So, Just an unreal night. I remember, you know, standing at the front of the gate, myself and and Mark Matthews were right next to each other when uh, Jeff Cornwall scored the goal with, you know, 12 seconds left or whatever it was and and just kind of looking at each other like, you know, we're going to win this thing. Um, And then obviously just an unreal celebration on the floor and in the room and and carried over and and got a nice little trip from uh, owner Bruce Urban to have, um, you know, some more time with the boys to really enjoy it. Obviously, everybody goes home to their the families and stuff during the week and back to work. So we got a little extended celebration after that one as well.
0: You got any good prank stories? Who was the jokester on the team when you were in Sask? Like who, who's the guy who got you? You got to have one good story for me.
2: Uh, I don't know. There's a few, a few guys. It's a, it's such a good, good crew of guys. You know, um, Ryan Dilks obviously is a, is a beauty and never, you know, never shy of giving you a hard time or, or, um, you know, we had a friendly competition on the floor. Mitski was part of that as well. And really, we had a, a really good kind of, uh, dynamic of, of offense and defense kind of going after each other a little bit, both on the floor and off the floor, but, uh, all in good fun, of course. Um, so I'd put Dilks in that category, maybe, you know, Soraketti even, um, kind of a little bit of a jokester too. So, uh, it was a, it was a good crew of
0: guys there for sure. Come on, you weren't throwing anyone's gear in the showers or anything over the line?
2: No, I don't think we ever, I don't know if we got that far. There's probably some uh, some shoe checks maybe under the table at dinner every now and then, stuff like that, but I can't recall anything uh, too specific, to be honest with you.
0: Who got the most fired up when they got shoe checked? Did someone lose it? I don't know. I, you know, probably probably a rookie was getting it most
2: of the time, right? So. I think more just disappointed that they they let themselves get there. But
0: I really probably
2: don't recall, you know, specific instances if I'm being honest with you.
0: Fair, fair. Okay, I got one more um, lacrosse related for you. And that's, I I think it was 2016, I want to say. You're playing against Calgary. You got to tell the story. It's a legendary video. It's late in the fourth quarter. You get punched in the head and then you eat the ball. Like you got to tell the story about how this happens. And what were you feeling the next day?
2: yeah um potentially my my least favorite lacrosse moment uh obviously never gonna never gonna stop hearing about that one um yeah i mean I, I just remember uh one of the calgary defenders was kind of running at me with his stick up so I kind of put my stick up to defend myself and you know he flops and and next thing I know I'm getting sucker punched from behind and and then uh good buddy, Riley Lowen, you know, thankfully he was, uh, he was lobbing one at the cage, was probably going to, you know, uh, hit the goalie in the stomach and instead it, it hit me right in the face. So uh, just bad, bad timing, right? Back to back, you know, you couldn't uh, couldn't have drawn that up in a movie, I don't think. But uh, the, the unfortunate part about it is that I was on a sales trip the following week uh, in New York. I work in in kind of sports and entertainment sponsorship sales and media sales. And um, so I'm going through with a partner of ours at Bleach Report, and, um, literally every meeting we're walking into the guy bleach Report, because they were one of the companies that ran the clip, you know, had over a million views and he's showing everybody the first thing we, we uh, you know, we talk about when he walks in the doors, he's showing his clients, uh, the clip of me getting punched in the face with the ball right after. So yeah, it's one that comes up quite often. Uh, not a fond memory, but, uh, but one that, you know, I can have a little laugh about certainly, and then break the ice when I, when I meet new people.
0: What was the damage? How many zips did he get? No,
2: nothing. It, honestly, it hit me in a good spot, kind of the, uh, I guess, the fat part of the cheek, if you will. So, um, and, and it was Riley shooting it too, right? It wasn't, uh, wasn't Mark or somebody else. Maybe with a heavier shot. So, uh, grateful, grateful. He he, um, he was lobbing that one at the cage there, maybe just trying to get a reset late or something. But, uh, but yeah, didn't do. Had a fat lip and a sore face for about a week, but that was about it.
0: No way, you didn't lose any teeth or have any cuts after that. No, that's no, insane. Nothing. I had no clue about that. Yeah. Okay, okay, I got one more for you. And you guys come into Saskatchewan this year with your San Diego team. You're battling COVID. Not a big deal flying up on a private jet. We won't mention that. But uh, And you guys grind out a win. It was an incredible performance by the kid in net there. But now you got to play them again this weekend. So, you know, when you prepare for Saskatchewan, a team that you played for, a team that you know so much about, it, does anything change in your preparation? Is it something where, you know, you want to beat them a little bit more or.
2: Yeah. I mean, definitely want to win that, win those games.
0: Um, there's no doubt about that. Obviously still have a,
2: a lot of friends and close ties to that team. I spent, you know, six, six years with that organization. Right. But, um, and they're, they're a great team. They're well coached. So it's just maybe just trying to give insights to, to our team on tendencies or, or things that they, uh, things that I know that they try to do or like to do. And, and, you know, so we can scout and plan ahead for some of that stuff. But, um, but no, the preparation doesn't really change. Um, you know, again, a really good team. A lot of that core, core is still there, back on defense, and and obviously a good chunk of their offense as well. They can they can put the ball in the back of the net when they get a the chance. So we got to be prepared, and I will just maybe try to do a little bit of extra sharing as much information as I can. Um, you know, with our organization and making sure we're uh, we're ready to go.
0: Well, Zach, this has been a blast. I appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I uh, really
2: appreciate it. Good catching
0: up. Great conversations, great stories, and even better people. It's Cody Jansen, Voice of the Rush, with you on the Rush Hour podcast, presented by Original 16. So, Friday night in San Diego, for the first time this season, the Rush are going to take on the Seals. They did meet at the Sastel Center in January. If you remember that one, San Diego, they ran into some COVID problems before, but got a legendary performance by Justin Getty between the pipes, made 42 saves. Robert Church did have a hat-trick in that contest, but Austin Stotts really stole the show for San Diego. Three goals, three assists there. Mark Matthews had four assists for the rush. Mike Messenger 10 loose balls in that contest. Ultimately... Wasn't good enough as San Diego got the last laugh. This one's going to be a thriller, though. San Diego, they've had some ups and downs at home. Tough task anytime you're facing Frank Ciliato, one of the best goaltenders in the game. But, you know, Saskatchewan's going to be working extra hard for that bounce-back performance after the showing in Panther City. That's going to do it. Huge thanks to Connor and Zach for hopping on the show this week. And don't forget to watch the Rush Hour live pre-game show before every home game with myself, Cody Jansen, Darren DuPont, and Sabita Mod on the Rush's Facebook page 90 minutes before face-off at the SasTel Center. The next one is going to be at Rochester. This has been another edition of the Rush Hour podcast presented by Original 16. On Friday, it's Saskatchewan, San Diego. Enjoy.